Welcome into a late week edition of Running for the Roses. I'm Ryan Baffalucas, joined by Lucas Rohde. Uh, changed some changes to my schedule early in the week. Lucas was kind enough to acquiesce my uh, request to uh, postpone a couple days. So I appreciate that, buddy. Mm-hmm. How is uh, how is life in Nashville? We got a Packer game tonight in a couple hours. And how's everything going? It's good. It's good. I had uh, a college buddy of mine from Wisconsin that came down to visit for the weekend. So uh, we pretty much did what we uh, normally do when we hung out. And that was watch a ton of uh, college football and NFL games on uh, on Sunday while also being out on the town. So, nice. um, yeah, it was a good weekend. Um, it's crazy that a week from today is uh, Thanksgiving. It'll also... It, also a week from me entering my 30s so um it's uh my last week in my 20s so i'm uh, looking forward to it you know it's it's, it's so interesting it's so interesting you say that it's also lane kiffin's last week of the head coach of Ole miss hey <laughs> maybe maybe not we'll see um lucas and i will t- uh, give out our weekly roses uh this week celebrating some uh dormant programs that have been on the rise here uh recently We'll touch on uh, week 11 here quickly, go over some of the key storylines, maybe a couple upsets, maybe talking about some disappointing teams here. I feel like a couple schools in Texas might come up during our uh, our week 11 review. And then look ahead to a an interesting week of college football. This is the annual SEC bye week. We have finally made it. Happy SEC bye week to everyone. Um, it's exciting. Thank God the SEC teams get a nice week off before the rivalry games. Meanwhile, in the best football conference in America, the Pac-12, we have USC and UCLA and mm-hmm. Oregon and Utah. So, you know, I will touch on that here in a little bit about how BS that is. Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm already fired up here. We're only we're only two and a half minutes in. Uh, Lucas, why don't you start and give out your uh, your weekly rows? Yeah, so I'm going to give mine to the Yukon Huskies um, as they became bowl eligible um, for, I believe, the first time. I'm actually looking that up right now. I think it's it's been a hot minute. Uh, yeah, first time in a while. Last, I mean, this yeah, was a first this time is a in a while. Program. Um, just uh, so first time since 2015 when they were head coached by Bob Diaco. Wow, I kind of forgot that he was a head coach at. Uh, at he was the guy point. that would wear like the ties and like the white shirt on the sidelines. I remember yes. him. Yep. Yes. Um, but uh, the first time since 2015, they won 36 33 over a pretty good Liberty team, a team that had wins over BYU, was coming off a win on the road, uh, knocked off Arkansas the week before. Um, and UConn was a team last year when we were betting, our running joke was we, ta- I think we tailed UConn for like seven weeks in a row. Um, no matter what the cover was, um, we always bet against them, but, uh, nice job with Jim Moore. That was an interesting hire kind of from the onset, uh, kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and yeah, and hopefully it's good things to come for, uh, for UConn, a program that I think really kind of like Kentucky, Kansas, those fans just want something to kind of reap for until basketball season starts. Uh, but it's, it kind of is a, a theme this year where we've seen basketball schools, outside of like Indiana, um, really have really nice seasons. So kudos to, to UConn and Jim Moore for, for getting to a bowl game for the first time in seven years. It's interesting um, you bring up basketball schools having good seasons because I'm going to touch on one that, that hasn't so far. Remember back in like August or September, like Mark Stoops was like, we're a football school. 
and John Calipari was like, no, you're not. We were a basketball school, which John Calipari was right. Turns out John Calipari, uh, you know, definitely right. Uh, Vanderbilt gets my rose this week. Clark Lee doing a hell of a job there. They get their first SEC win since 2019. Lucas, they thumb Kentucky. I mean, Mm -hmm. here are some numbers for you. 448 total yards to 322 for Kentucky. They ran 13 more plays. Lucas, how about this? 264 yards on the ground on 44 attempts. They averaged over six yards a carry. They had the ball for 33 minutes and 15 seconds. 11 of 17 on third down. This was a this was an ass kicking. I mean, they mm-hmm. they went into Lexington, got a win against a team that finished last season second in the SEC East with a projected top 10 quarterback in Will Levis and. Um, we both listened to cover three. And one of the things that they brought up last week was maybe this is the game that Kentucky just runs it up and tries to get, you know, Will Levis's draft stock. You know, he throws five touchdowns and whatever. It wasn't the case. Uh, so shout out to Vanderbilt. Shout out to Clark Lee. Still bowl, still not bowl eligible, still in the mix for a bowl game. Two games left for Vanderbilt. It's going to be a tall task. They get Tennessee next week. Mm-hmm. Um, so unlikely they reach a bowl, but four wins in Clark Lee's second year. They already hit the over under, or they already hit their over on their win total back in uh, uh, late September and pick up their first bowl win since 2019. And a lot of answers for Mark Stoops at Kentucky. You know, that is somebody that we've talked about is he has the best job in America. He wins eight games. They build a statue for you. Not, not all the time. You know, once, mm-hmm. Once you reset your expectations, I mean, once you go eight, nine, ten win seasons, you have a six or seven win season. Your fans aren't as patient as they used to be. So interesting, some some of the narrative around Kentucky this week. But shout out to Vanderbilt, four and six this season. Definitely a program trending in the right direction. Yeah, I was gonna just some words on Kentucky and Will Levis. You mentioned maybe this was a game where they they pad the stats a little bit. He was awful. He was 11 to 23 for 109 yards in one interception against uh, maybe one of the worst for defenses in the SEC. So not a great look, but completely agree with you. But don't worry. They have uh, they have a big bounce back opportunity this week um, against the number one team in the country in the Georgia Bulldogs. So good luck. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> good luck, Vanderbilt. Uh, all right, so let's let's touch on some week 11 action here. Not going to do too much of a recap. Obviously, it's Thursday. We'll, we'll do a a lot of look ahead, but some, some, some big games. And I think some larger storylines for us to discuss here as we, we have two more weeks in the regular season. Then we have conference championship week. We'll start in the PAC 12, uh, where Oregon, the highest ranked team in the conference falls to Washington, uh, 37, 34 in, in just a, a crazy back and forth game. I mean, a really fun game, typical PAC 12 game, high scoring, a lot of offense. Michael Penix was outstanding in, in this game. Bo Nix was good as well. Um, he just kind of got injured, kind of got hobbled and, and some questionable play calling from Dan Lanning. And right now, as it sits, USC, the only one loss team in the PAC 12 and, and USC will have three tough games in a row here, right? They have UCLA this week. They go Notre Dame next week and then a potential PAC 12 championship game. But Lucas, your, your thoughts here, just on kind of Oregon, Washington, and then I'm, I'm going to give a little soliloquy on the PAC 12 uh, scheduling model here. Yeah, this was uh, this was a game I felt Oregon left a little bit to be desired. I mean, they averaged look at their offense put up well over 500 total yard, almost 600 yards uh, of total offense, uh, including 312 on the ground. They averaged six point yards per carry. Um, 
I don't know what your thoughts were on that fourth down play call. Um, I would have punted easily. Yeah. I mean, you have a backup quarterback. And first of all, like, I mean, you're at what, your 40-yard line, your 35, Mm -hmm. whatever it was. Like, I mean, the way Washington was going, like, that's a a first down and they iced the game, which is basically what happened, right? I mean, I thought it was – and you had your backup quarterback in. I mean, I, I didn't agree with the call that far into your territory. If, if you're on the opposite 40 or opposite 35 or, you know, 45, certainly, but not, not, not there with maybe your playoff chances on the line. Yeah. I tend to agree with you, especially with the fact that if Bo Nix was in there, I don't necessarily hate the call. Cause like I mentioned, they were averaging over six yards a carry <laughs> 51 carries averaging over six yards. But with Ty Thompson in there, you really, probably took out any threat that you were going to pass right there. I doubt your quarter or your quarterback only had one backup who only had one attempt in the entire game, who I think all season, I think I heard on the cover two podcast, only attempted 21 throws all year that you were going to put it in his hands to ice the game. Um, so I just think that you kind of put your team in a position to fail. Cause like you mentioned, they basically only had to go like 10 yards to get in the field goal range with your playoff hopes on the line. I mean, your your Pac-12 championship desires are still there for the taking as long as you went out. But, yeah, Oregon, I, in my opinion, I thought had the best chance of making the college football playoff, just the way their their schedule laid out. And uh, like you mentioned, they got another tough one with, with Utah. He's been playing better uh, since that, that, that loss at UCLA. So um, I think it was just an opportunity loss. But kudos to, to Washington. Michael Penix um, threw the ball all over the place, though he did have – very awful interception at like their own five yard line that that could have actually iced this game for Washington late. Um, but through for over 408 yards, um, uh, Kalen DeBoer, do you think he is your, I would say, would you think he is the PAC 12 coach of the year? Kalen yeah. Right I, I, I mean, I certainly think you have two first year head coaches with, with an argument, right? Dan Lanning has been outstanding. Lincoln Riley, I mean, you could you can make the argument, right? In a the macro argument is USC was four and eight last year, yeah, and they're you know nine and one, right? And and only losses by one point on, on the road, right, to Utah. Mm-hmm. So, but Kalen DeBoer, I mean, we I think we both kind of liked Washington in the preseason. I think the over under was like six and a half, seven, seven and a half mm-hmm. wins. But I mean, for this team to be eight and two, and and you know, a weird loss at Arizona state and then a loss at UCLA, kind of the only blemishes he's done a nice job there. Um, they score a lot of points and this was a Washington team last year that did not score a lot of points. No, I, I do think you're seeing so many first year coaches turn things around quickly and it's the transfer portal. It's immediate eligibility. It's, it's you just, all of a sudden the players are more invested. They, they care more. And, and yeah, I mean, Washington's, probably going to win nine games. I mean, at, at least like that's a, a really good first year. And I mean, listen, this is my thing at this point, like the PAC 12 is the best conference in America. And I know I'm biased and I know no one else is going to want to hear that. They have the most ranked teams. They have six teams in the top 25 of the college football playoff rankings. They have continuously had teams in the top 15. You have Utah 10, you have USC at seven, Oregon's 12, UCLA 16. So four of the top 16 teams in the country come from the Pac-12. And, you know, after Oregon lost, I, I hear the same things every year. Oh, the Pac-12 can't get out of its own way. Oh, the, but the Pac-12 sets itself up to where it is a lot more difficult to run the table in the conference than in the SEC. 
I'm sorry. That is a fact. You play nine conference games. You only do not play two teams in the Pac-12 every year. That's it. The SEC, you play the, your six teams in your division, your six other teams, a permanent crossover, and a rotating cross-divisional game. So Georgia, all right, you have a great win over Tennessee. Awesome. Your other two games in the your two games from the West were Auburn and Mississippi State. Okay, cool. You know, you play Kentucky this week. That's great. Kentucky just lost to Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, whereas UCLA, for example, UCLA had to play Utah at home, Washington at home, go at Oregon, and play USC. Right now, USC got lucky, actually. They don't have Oregon or Washington on the schedule. Right? They had to go at Utah, they play at UCLA. And they got fortunate they don't draw those two teams. But, like, you know, Utah has to play USC at home. They have to go at UCLA. They have to go at Oregon this week. It's harder. You have nine conference games. You don't have your week 12 bye week that the SEC is going to have this week where Mm -hmm. they can kind of load up before their biggest games of of the year next weekend. It, It amazes me that we don't see this. Right. I mean, it's, it's, guess what? And listen, the Big Ten does this too. You play nine conference games. It's harder. Mm-hmm. It's harder, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I, 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 I don't know, understand like the Pac 12, who knows if it's even a league in three years, but I don't know how you can doubt this has been a really good conference this year. Mm-hmm. They, they might not have a Georgia or an Ohio State, but part of that is it's damn hard to go unbeaten in, in the Pac 12 with the way the league is set up. And, and, and maybe that needs to change, but I love it. I think it's awesome. Yeah, I was actually mentioned my I had a buddy in from town and we were talking about like which conference has the best setup, at least entertainment wise. And we thought it was the Pac-12 for for the fact that you said it's a 12 team league. You're playing nine teams, so you're only missing two teams in league play every year. Um, Though I do love the Big 12 that play. You get to play everybody, but that is going to be ending next year, sadly. Um, But I think I, I agree with you completely. I I think it's better for, for the fans, not just for those that, you know, the fans that are in that conference, but also just for outside fans like me that you can almost guarantee that the best teams are going to be playing each other um, almost guaranteed year in and year out. And I mean, it was a big, I mean, the point you bring up though is a big reason why it sounded like uh, the PAC 12 was going to go back down to eight games because they thought that ninth game might've been costing them some spots. And I think there is some, some uh um some uh some pull with that so um i love the setup i wish every i think every conference should be playing nine games hell if it was up to me every we'd have 10 conference games and then two non-con uh with one against another power five opponent and then another one uh against maybe a group of five team but uh but yeah it kind of eats itself up and i wish you know the the playoff committee would take that into consideration um, because we're looking at these resumes of some of these teams. I mean, I mean, I, I sent you a clip this week about, you know, first take saying that like TCU hasn't played anybody when they might have the, I believe they have the strength of record thing that ESPN does. TCU is number one because they've played, um, I think at the time, four teams that have been ranked. So, um, no, it, it drives me nuts. We'll see the Pac-12 is apparently, or the SEC is going to be moving to nine games, I think, in 2025 when Texas and Oklahoma join. But, no, I agree with you. I, I hope the Pac-12 stays at nine, um, especially if they're only going to, to 10 schools in a couple of years. You can kind of do what the Big 12 is now, which yeah. worked out for the Big 12. The Big 12 
just got a new TV deal for the big reason because it is so competitive um, and it's not top heavy, which I think is a good thing overall for the Pac-12. Yeah, so let's speak about the Big 12 here. One team that really caught my eye, TCU, just continues to pass tests. And you brought them up a second ago, a 17-10 to 10 win in Austin. I really like teams that can win in different ways, Lucas. And when I look at TCU's um, season here, TCU has not scored below 34 points, had not, in any game this season. 55 against Oklahoma, 38 against Kansas State, 43 Oklahoma State, 38 Kansas State, 41 West Virginia. They go into Austin, and they have to win a a low-scoring, grinded-out game in the mud. And they did it. They held B. John Robinson to 29 rushing yards and 2.4 yards per attempt. They held Texas as a whole to 1.3 yards per attempt. Now, that is also counting some Quinn Ewers sack yardage. Quinn Ewers, 17 to 39, a buck 71 with an interception. And you look at TCU. I mean, Max Duggan was okay. 19 completions, 124 yards, and a touchdown. They ran the ball 228 times. Kendra Miller, 21 attempts, 138 yards, and a touchdown. Like, that is a game that, like, I did I did not expect TCU to win that kind of a football game. A low-scoring, tough, defensive-minded game. Uh, they get another big ranked win, although Texas isn't ranked anymore. <laughs> they should not be with four losses, but... I was really impressed with TCU. So I want to get your thoughts on TCU and then maybe it's time to have a, a Texas discussion with Steve Sarkeesian here. <laughs> no, I was completely with you. This was a game. Sorry for all those people who took the over, which I think is probably the majority of people betting on this game um, who thought it was going to be a shootout, but no, and it was a game that TCU largely, con- like you mentioned, largely controlled. They were up 17 to three at one point. Uh, TCU's defense, which is much better than it was last year. It's a top 50 defense, but not one that I, th- I thought was going to shut Texas down. But I think it's impressive with you. Good teams in the course of the year can win in different ways. Those are usually the best teams and uh, how they go about business. And we've seen TCU come from behind. We've seen them uh, put up uh, you know big numbers and shootouts. And this was another game. It was kind of a grinded out type of game. And I think it shows a lot on TCU's back that they have um, – more in their arsenal, if need be, to just do enough. And, um, you know, to kind of go into to Texas, I mean, this is the another game. You know, Quinn Ewers, 17-39, was not very good. Uh, going back to, like, their Oklahoma State game, when they blew that game, another one-possession loss um, where he had less than a 50% completion percentage. Um, you know, Texas was a seven-point favorite coming into this game, which – I thought was just kind of nuts and a little bit disrespectful to TCU, though I kind of understood it. You had everything you could have gotten yourself back into the the Big 12 title race with a win here. This could have been another big win for Steve Sarkeesian's resume. Instead, now it just looks like Texas is just going to go about maybe 7-5, 8-4 at best. And look, I don't think they're going to fire Sark. Um, They did improve from last year. They still got Arch Manning coming in. Recruiting is at an all-time high right now for Texas. But I don't know. I I just expected better improvement for this. Like, this was a night game. The fans were in it. Like, I game day. just don't get it. Yeah. And you just kind of laid a complete dud. Well, and and, I mean, how do you think, and I want to talk about A&M as well, but, like, how do you think A&M and Texas fans feel when they see Sonny Dykes in year one at TCU 10-0? Yeah, I mean, how I would love to know the the star ratings for Texas and TCU. Like, how much more talented on paper 
per the recruiting rankings was Texas compared to TCU and TCU's 10 and up. Mm-hmm. And we can we can poke holes in their resume, but they've beaten everyone they've played. They have mm-hmm. beaten good teams. They play everyone in, in the Big 12. They've beaten all of them. They can beat them in different ways. Um, they have a top 10 pick in Quentin Johnston. They have a, a quarterback that is a really solid college quarterback, Max Duggan. I mean, they lo- this is a team that lost Zach Evans, who was their biggest recruit maybe in the program's history. He transfers to Ole Miss. He really hasn't played much all year because he's been injured. And it just doesn't matter. Um, I... Listen, with the Sark thing, I mean, they're 11 and 11 in two, in almost two years. And I was listening to, I don't know if it was Cover 3 or some of the other shows, and they said, well, if Sark goes 8 and 4 or 7 and 5, that's a two-win improvement over last year. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, how are we resetting expectations at the University of Texas, man? They went 5 and 7 and lost to Kansas in year one. I mean mm-hmm. – you recruiting has never been the issue at Texas. Herman was constantly pulling top 10 classes. They ha- I mean, Quinn Ewers, by the way, because everyone kind of thinks, not everyone, but people think like, well, you know, give him Arch Manning. Arch Manning could come in and say, Quinn Ewers was a higher rated player in high school than Arch Manning. Mm-hmm. Like I cannot emphasize enough. Quinn Ewers legitimately per the recruiting services. I say that in air quotes was, is the best player in like the last five years, the highest rated player. Higher than Trevor Lawrence, higher than Justin Fields, higher than all these people, right? C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. And you're right, Lucas, it hasn't shown. I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe he's injured. Maybe the throwing shoulder has never healed from the injury against Alabama. But, like, against Oklahoma State, he struggled down the stretch. In this game, he struggled down the stretch. And I, I don't know. I and I And, you know, listen, you know, Texas has at Kansas, which, by the way, Texas is almost a 10-point favorite at Kansas, which I think is blasphemy. They have at Kansas, and then they hose Baylor to end the season. I mean, you split that, you're 7-5, and five, and you're you're going to the, you know, Meineke Car Care Bowl or, you know, something. And it's like, all right, cool. Half the team won't play in the bowl game because no one will care. I mean, I just feel like, I don't know. Um, it's... I, I'm not ready to give up on Sark, but this idea, like, he hasn't shown us in two years, like, what he's been there for. And they're going to lose mm-hmm. B. John Robinson. That's going to be a huge loss for this football team. Mm-hmm. And we'll see kind of what they can uh, what they can do next year. I believe they have to go to Alabama next year in the non-conference. So mm-hmm. that's not going to be, you know, easy. You've got some new teams coming in, like Cincinnati and UCF and Houston into the, into the Big 12 next year. Like, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I feel like Sark will be a little bit on the on the hot seat going into next year. Oh, year three is going to be big because I thought you made a great point about how how TCU just in one year of Sunny Dykes is already kind of running running the show in the Big Twelve. You mentioned also A and M, like watching TCU's offense and knowing that they have every opportunity to be something like that, and they're <laughs> they are what they are. Sorry, this is not an anti Texas A and M podcast. Well, it might be. But it kind of is, kind, it of, kind is. of is, but, um, but no, I think he's on the hot seat. Yeah. I mean, they fired Tom Herman his last year during the COVID year. They went seven and three, probably in a regular year. That's probably nine and three. Cause I, I think they only played one non-conference game. And like you mentioned, like, yeah, it's, it's Texas. Like you need to see improvement. Um, and maybe they went out, but oh, if they lose to Kansas for a second year in a row. Um, uh, I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to uh, predict the future, but um, if that happened, I think 
you're finally going to start hearing calls for his job if they do that again this year. All right. Speaking of hearing calls for their job, let's talk about Jimbo Fisher here real quick. You mentioned him a couple minutes ago. Texas A&M suffers their sixth straight defeat. They lose at Auburn 13 to 10. Um, Lucas, they are a, a fraction of a foot away from being 0 and 7 in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember, their only SEC win is against Arkansas when their kicker like put the ball directly over the upright to win the game, essentially. Um, I don't, it's hard to even comprehend how wrong this is. I mean, how wrong it has gone for Texas A&M. I mean, we, we talked about it earlier in the show. UConn is bowl eligible. Kansas is bowl eligible. Illinois was seven and one at one point. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not hard to be bowl eligible, especially when your non-conference consists of UMass, Miami, Appalachian state and Sam Houston state. And you lost to App State. You you barely beat a bad Miami team. I don't know how you're 34 point favorites against UMass. I don't know. How, I don't know what who who says Anis be 34 point favorites against a high school team. Um, it, it's just been. And listen, like they've had close games, right? You lose by four at Alabama. You lose by three against Ole Miss. You lose by three against Auburn. But it's not a team that's fundamentally sound. They don't play together. It looks like a bunch of guys that just don't care and. Um, that is going to be the probably the most fascinating storyline, at, at least one of in 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 the off season. Does Jimbo hand the reins over to an offensive coordinator? Because um, that's going to be a really difficult job for whoever steps in there. I mean, they'll pay you two million dollars, two and a half million dollars, but you are expected to provide immediate results. And then just the amount of transfers in the portal. I mean, how many of that, how many of those players from that top rated recruiting class, the number one class of all time, according to 247 Sports, stays there next year? I mean, if you're Evan Stewart, if you're Walter Nolan, if you're any one of these five stars on the defensive line that just get crushed every week, is this where you want to spend your three years? Mm-hmm. Are the NIL checks that good? I mean, maybe. So I don't know, man. I mean, it's going to be a fascinating situation with Jimbo. I really haven't seen it go this bad. Uh, for a high-profile coach in a long time, maybe since Jimbo Fisher at Florida State. <laughs> oh, man. Well, just to curtail on that, you mentioned, do they get an off that, yeah, an offense coach to pay you two to two, two and a half million dollars, but who's to say that Jimbo's going to lay off like and just let you run that offense when this is his specialty? Remember, it's a guy who had, you know, developed a Heisman Trophy quarterback and won a national title with that offense nine years ago. Well, it looks like that offense hasn't adjusted once. So it's it's just still remarkable to me that they're probably going to finish, to quote Mel Tucker, that they are going to probably finish dead-ass last in the SEC West. Um, and you mentioned it too, like how crazy, before the pod, how crazy is it that Vanderbilt is still eligible potentially to make a bowl game and Texas A&M uh, is not. So, um, yeah, just uh, – an unreal scene um, down in uh, in College Station. Uh, RP to our friend Blaine, who is uh, oh, an Aggies fan. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it was tough. He was texting us against Sam Houston State week one, being like, mm-hmm. I'm done with Haynes King. What the heck is going on here? Hasn't gone much better since. They've had three quarterbacks. All of them have been very uh, yeah. mediocre. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, you are our resident Big Ten West expert here, and I need to talk to you about who is going to win the Big Ten West. Illinois, Purdue, Iowa, and Minnesota, I think are all four and three. Wisconsin's four yes. and four. 
I mean, it is Illinois. I don't want to say they've, they've blown this, but back-to-back losses to Michigan State and Purdue. They have to go to Michigan this mm-hmm. week. Illinois was such a good feel-good story. They were 7-1, sure. and one, but I felt like they took advantage of a lot of questionable circumstances. I mean, they beat a Wisconsin team the week before they fired Paul Chris, or I guess two days. A day, before, a day you know, before. Literally a day before they fired Paul Chris. <laughs> you beat Iowa 9-6. to six, You beat Minnesota. Tanner Morgan goes down with an injury late in the game. And I, I feel like they have come back down to earth, regressed to the mean, but like we are two weeks away from the Big Ten championship game and have no idea who is going to, you know, be sacrificed to uh, Ohio State. Yeah, it's it's something. I was reading some of the, the tiebreaker. So, um, man, I, I, they were so confusing for me because it's like, yeah, like I said, you have like four teams right now that are currently in play. And I, I feel bad for Illinois fans because you could have told them, yeah, you're probably going to finish at worst eight and four. They would have been like, Oh hell yeah! Like we do a little bowl game. Most wins, yeah. It's the most wins they've had, I think, since like '07 uh, or '08 when they were under Ron Zook when they won nine games. So, but the fact that they were seven and one, you lose back to back games at home in games that you were over a touchdown favorite in both of them. You were playing a Michigan State team that really had nothing to play for, and then you're at home against Purdue. Uh, and Purdue kind of shredded their defense. This defense has been quite stout all year. Um, but, no, I I have no idea. Don't even get me started with Iowa. They're the most annoying damn team in the entire country. I um, just – I the, the way – losing a game to them was maybe the most frustrating thing I have felt in such a long time. When you limit a team to 146 yards of total offense and out, you buddy. lose – let it out lose by two scores. Yeah. But 24, 10, 24, 10, 10. Uh, by the way, the under in the Minnesota, uh, Iowa game this week, 32 and a half. It's boy, the oh lowest since they started doing over under since 1999. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> and boy. I'm still, I'm still, but, uh, but anyways, I don't know who's going to win it. If I had to put a bet, I would probably say Purdue just because their schedule is the easy they get Northwestern and then Indiana um, in back-to-back weeks. Obviously we talked about Illinois has to go on the road to Michigan um, and then Iowa and Minnesota should knock each other out. Um, and then uh, I think Minnesota has to play Wisconsin the last week of the year. And then Iowa has to play Nebraska. Um, so I don't know how it works at because Purdue Lost to Iowa, but Iowa lost to Illinois. It's so yeah, like Purdue has losses to Iowa and Minnesota. Minnesota yes. has losses to Illinois and, and and Purdue. No, Minnesota beat Purdue. Um, no, they no they lost or they. Uh, oh, you're right. They Purdue, did lose. Purdue, yeah, they, they did lose because that's when Dakota texted us that he was done with the with the with, with, the, the, with the football program. It's, it's like <laughs> annual text from Dakota. Um, <laughs> Illinois has wins. I mean, Illinois has wins over Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, but the loss to Purdue is really going to hurt them. And who knows? Maybe Illinois goes into the big house and says, yeah, we're just going to, we're just going to beat Michigan. Like we're just Mm going to beat I'll, uh, I'll I'll tell you with my, with some of my, my picks coming up, but I do not think that's going to happen. Um, uh, Lucas, just going over quickly here before we uh, move on North Carolina beats Wake Forest, 36, 34 Drake may throws for almost 450 yards. 
uh, Wake Forest, poor uh, the fight in Dave Clausens. I believe four straight losses. <sighs> three, I think th- three or four straight losses. They have not uh, recovered since that uh, the uh, Clemson game, I feel <sighs> like. The shellacking. I mean, Wake's last three games, you get beat, you get shellacked by Louisville. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lose to NC State, who then a week later goes and loses to Boston College. <laughs> and then you you lose to North Carolina. That, that game was very competitive. It was a really fun one. It didn't quite hit the, hit the over, I think it's in the high 70s, but a mm-hmm. uh, fun one. Drake May is just, is just so, so good, good, man. I mean, he's just – and North Carolina, I feel like, is just so oddly underrated. Like, they're 9-1. Like, North Carolina is 9-1, and, and they're only 13th in the country. These are the two lost teams North Carolina is behind. LSU, this is the college football playoff rankings. LSU, Alabama, Utah, Penn State, Oregon, Ole Miss. I'm sorry, they are ahead of Ole Miss. Ole Miss is one spot behind them. I don't know how North Carolina is behind Penn State and Utah. I just don't know. And only one spot ahead of Ole Miss? Well, Whose best win is Georgia Tech at this point? I'm, in, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. But well, well, especially since their, their loss – at the time, did not look great. They got kind of shellacked by by Notre Dame, but Notre Dame's ranked in seven and three, and potentially 18th? could make that better. With yeah, could be a top fifteen team if they win out. So yeah, North Carolina is interesting because I do think they should win their next two games before they play Clemson in the in the AC title, which I believe they clinched this week. Correct. Uh, they clinched, so they will be playing Clemson in the ACC title game. I mean, if they were on the tail. I'm not saying anything. To be honest, I'm not saying I'm not. I'm getting too far ahead. Much they lose to freaking Georgia Tech after you know Georgia Tech gets shellacked by Miami this week. I I didn't bet. I didn't bet Georgia Tech at all. If you can't tell the uh, aggression in my voice, but um, <laughs> um, it also lost to Saparlay over the weekend. But um, no, if you mentioned it though, Drake May, we were kind of talking about it. No one's really talking about him as a Heisman can, uh, candidate. And we've been raving about him really since week one. Um, when they went on, they played Florida A&M. And then the next week in that crazy App State game, um, he has been incredible. Um, we didn't know how they were going to place you know, Sam Hartman, uh, or uh, not Sam Hartman, uh, Sam Howell. Um, but he's done it to a T as, in fact, their offense is even better uh, with him at the helm. And he's going to be really, really exciting. Probably going to be a Heisman hopeful going into next season uh, too. But yeah, they're really, really fun to watch. That was a really fun game over the weekend. And I think they're, I agree with you. I think they are massively underrated. The The college football playoff committee as a whole is just very, very down on the ACC. And I think rightfully so. Yeah. Um, doesn't help Clemson. Um, the most, the best team in that league has not looked like the elite Clemson that we're used to for a second year in a row. And I think that's weighing the rest of the conference down, but uh, should be interesting to watch North Carolina the rest of the way. So here's here's an interesting um, thought experiment for you. There are are we have two conference championship games that are set. The SEC championship game will be Georgia against LSU, and the ACC will be Clemson and UNC. FanDuel has lines for both those games. I want to have you guess them: mm-hmm. Georgia at L- uh, Georgia and LSU in Atlanta, and Clemson North Carolina in Charlotte. What do you think the lines for those games are? So I'm going to say Georgia is a, I'm going to say 13 and a half. 16 and a half. 16 and a half. Okay. I thought it would be closer around two touchdowns. I'm going to say Clemson is a nine and a half. Six and a half. Ooh. Okay. I was going to say, are we sure Clemson is better than North Carolina? 
Like, are we sure at this point? I mean, I know North Carolina's non-conference isn't great. They, they have the they have the win over App State, which doesn't look great now. App State is is a very average football team. Win over Georgia State, lost to Notre Dame. Um, they have feasted on some of the bad teams in the coastal for sure. Mm-hmm. But the offense can score. The defense is is just really bad, man. <laughs> they have a really hard time stopping people. Although, you know, second half they held. I believe Wake only scored one touchdown in the second half. So mm-hmm. they, 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 they have made some adjustments, but that will be, uh, that will be interesting. And as we touched on last week, uh, Brian Kelly winning the sec West in his first season is, is just in, insane. Um, mm-hmm. Lucas, any other, uh, any other games you want to touch on here before, uh, we, uh, we move on and, and, and draft some sec matchups this week. Yeah. I mean, obviously, um, we kind of touched down the big 12 UCLA getting upset, um, uh, by Arizona. Uh, nice win for Jetfish. Uh, they finally got really uh, good win for Jetfish. Arizona uh, has a path to bowl eligibility. They host Washington State and they host Arizona State the next two weeks. They're four and six. Winnable games. Winnable, Winnable games, games, especially the last one. Um, as much as that pains us as uh, ASU supporters. Um, but uh, but yeah, kind of a bummer. I think and we'll talk about this in the in the kind of the preview. Kind of a bummer week for the Pac-12 and the fact that probably your two biggest games of the year, um, you have a team in each of those games losing to knock themselves out of playoff contention. But um, otherwise, besides that, um, what I was, you know, kind of watching, uh, I think that's pretty, and then LSU barely surviving against Arkansas. That was kind of an ugly game. Uh, Start 11 o'clock felt like uh, half the players went out for, uh, for non-bow uh, bow hunting season in Arkansas. <laughs> gun season starting. <laughs> yeah, gun season started. Um, um, one team I'd like to touch on real quick, Florida State, man, 38-3 to over Syracuse. That's an improving football team. They're up to 19th in the country in the college football playoff rankings. 7-3. and three. They go over their 6.5 win total. Mike Norvell's done a nice job there, 7-3. and three. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's say they go 1-1 one and one in, their, in their, their next two. I know they end with Florida. I'm not quite sure who they play this week, but um, that's a team I didn't know what to expect. Mike Norvell's third year, kind of rocky first two years. You think about the start to 2021 with the loss to Jacksonville State and, you know, stuff like that. But he's turning around a little bit for sure. Jordan Travis has been solid this year. Um, and uh, that's that could be a really nice uh, – it's good to get back to a bowl game, potentially eight wins in, uh, in, the SEC, in the ACC for Mike Norvell in year three. Yeah, I was, uh, I was actually – in Nashville, I went out to go. Uh, a friend of mine here is a big Syracuse fan, and I actually we I went with him to a bar to watch that game at a Florida State bar. Oh, um, no. So it was oh, no. Uh, no, I mean, I... easy, no, not an easy night uh, for my friend Ash. So that's funny. Who who routinely um, he does listen to the podcast routinely uh, gives me crap that I took uh, Syracuse under four and a half, but. Uh, there's a good chance that Syracuse might finish six and six after starting <laughs> six and out. So. All right, Lucas, it is, um, it's shaping up to be a banner week in the sec. Um, we are, we're, uh, Lucas had the idea. He's, I, I don't know if you were joking, but I liked the idea. I think it could be a fun thought experiment. Drafting the sec matchups this week. Uh, I'm going to read you the slate here real quick. Alabama plays Auburn next week. Really tough matchup for the Crimson Tide. They get Austin P at home. Mississippi State really has to be on edge here. They get East Tennessee State. 
Um, so I don't, I'm, I'm thinking East Tennessee state is better than West Tennessee state, but not exactly sure. Texas A&M only a 33 and a half point favorite at, against UMass. Um, LSU hosts UAB. Missouri hosts New Mexico state. Auburn hosts Western Kentucky. Kind of funny. Auburn's a five and a half point favorite, only five and a half against Western Kentucky, which I find interesting. We do have some conference matchups as well. We have uh, four of them, um, all of them in the SEC. Well, one of them in the SEC West. So Florida at Vanderbilt, Georgia at Kentucky, Ole Miss at Arkansas, and Tennessee at South Carolina. Um, yeah, it's a uh, just a banner week in the SEC. Hopefully they all rest up for their important, you know, conference champ- oh, the, uh, their important uh, rivalry, you know, rivalry week games. Uh, yeah. It's just, I mean, half these games are on ESPN Plus, if that uh, tells you <laughs> how ready these games are. But, um, but no, I, if, I'm, if I'm taking a game here, you, you actually touched on it. Western Kentucky at Auburn. If you're really? For just maybe just, this is the best. Hey, if Western Kentucky wants to beat an SEC team, it's probably the best chance they have against this Auburn team. Western Kentucky, one of the better teams in Conference USA led by quarterback Austin Reed, has 31 touchdown passes, almost 4,000 yards running. This was the offense that Bailey Zappi played in last year. Um, yeah, they're going to try to put up points. This could, I think, could be kind of a shootout um, if Auburn can't stop them. I, you know, probably a lot of Tank Bigsby. And, you know, Auburn, I think, has been playing a little bit better um, since they got rid of Bryce, uh, uh, Brian Harson. They won last week on the road. Uh, against A&M two weeks ago. They almost knocked off, I think it was Mississippi State, um, on the road as well. So I'm interested to see this game. I think it'll be uh, uh, a little bit fun. Um, you know, like you mentioned, Auburn's, what, only a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Crazy. a uh, Conference USA team. A good Conference USA team, but still. <laughs> um, give me Tennessee at South Carolina for my mm. first pick because – um, Tennessee is going to be such a fascinating case study, assuming they go 11 and one, they, they go out South Carolina and then they host Vanderbilt to end the season, two chances to really stack up some wins here. And if you look at Tennessee after the loss to Georgia, put up 66 at home against Missouri, uh, last week, you have out South Carolina, it's a night game on ESPN. There will be a lot of people there. Um, it'll be a really good atmosphere. And, uh, and again, in not a lot of big games this weekend, admittedly, uh, a chance for Tennessee to make a statement, right? You put up 50 on South Carolina, you win 55 to seven, for example, you continue to make a statement that you should be in the final four, right? Assuming Georgia wins the SEC championship and you're 11 and one, I think Tennessee has a great uh, mm-hmm. resume and a great chance to get there. Right. Um, so two back-to-back weeks where you can stack up some, some points here, right? Yeah. Hendon hooker still in the Heisman contention. I personally think Hendon hooker should win the Heisman. I think he's been the best player and the best story this year for four college football. I, it looks like it'll be CJ Stroud, assuming he doesn't kind of melt down the last two weeks, but um, I'm interested to see Tennessee is one of the most fun teams to watch in the country. Um, and they look like they are out for blood now. I mean, they look like it's like, Hey, we know we need style points and we can mm-hmm. get style points. And you're, and this is a great team to do it again. South Carolina, they've had some uh, injuries on defense and their offense is not good. <laughs> at all even Spencer Rattler is not the answer Spencer uh, Spencer Rattler has been awful this year um and this is a team that's coming off a loss 
you know, it was on the road in the swamp, but just got demolished by Florida um, last week. Uh, if I'm going to take another game uh, on here, oh, man, it's cheap. Maybe Ole Miss at Arkansas, um, just because we mentioned Arkansas last week. Watched a very close game, almost knocked off LSU at home. Um, but to me, this is uh, for Ole Miss. I I don't know how good Ole Miss is. I really, really don't. Um, their non-conference schedule was kind of uh, was kind of a joke. And then you look at you know their best win was what Kentucky on the schedule this year, which at the time looked like a big win, but I mean, yeah. now. Right. Um, I mean, it's, it's not Texas A&M. It's not Auburn. It's not Vanderbilt. Yeah. So, yeah. And with, uh, with all the talk, you know, you kind of joked about it um, with, with Lane Kiffin. Uh, there's a lot of rumors. He might be headed to another SEC gig, um, maybe towards the end of the year. And they had their big game against Alabama. They blew the lead late um, and lost that game in Oxford and also lost a chance to compete for the SEC West title. You know, where, where's their head at? Yeah. You know, right now, I think um, I think it's just an intriguing game to see um, that because this could be a, a fun game, depending on, um, you know, how uh, both defenses aren't great. Um, but uh, I think this one should be an intriguing game just to see where both these teams two heads at. Same with Arkansas. They had a chance to upset LSU last week um, and see if they can get up. Uh, it is a it is a night game, so it should be a great atmosphere there in Fayetteville. But I would probably put that. Third. Yeah, Arkansas is five and five. Three of their losses have come by three points, or yeah. I'm sorry, by three points or fewer. They lost mm-hmm. against LSU 13-10. They lost to Liberty 21-19. And then the game we talked about it with Texas A&M, lost to them in Dallas, they're 23-21. So they're a player two away from seven and three or six and four. KJ Jefferson's been in and out of that lineup. He did not play against LSU. Um and it is uh, it will be a senior night as they will go at Missouri the day after Thanksgiving to end the season. I'll just I'll just pick one more. I'll go Florida Vanderbilt. Um, I have no interest in Georgia Kentucky. I just don't. I don't think Kentucky's good. Their <laughs> offensive line is not good. Will Levis isn't good. The line's twenty two and a half. Florida six and four under Billy Napier in year one. They get Vanderbilt and Florida State. Florida Florida State could be could be like pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last week of the season. I mean that's a game. <laughs> you think. A year ago, Florida just fired Dan Mullen. Florida State was five and six, trying to scratch for a bowl game, and now you could have two pretty good football teams. I think Florida's done some nice job, some some nice things in Billy Napier's first year. And Vanderbilt, I mean, they're four and six. They're playing pretty good football. They just beat Kentucky. They lost to South Carolina by eleven. Um, this is a they lost to Missouri by three. They've been competitive in in the SEC, and it, it will be uh, it, it will be interesting there. So. Hey, and uh, then obviously, on the, like, the only other one really worth talking about is uh, is Georgia Kentucky. So. Georgia Kentucky, yeah. And like you said, I think that's kind of a. I don't see that game being particularly close. We, we were talking about Kentucky. I mean, they gave up like over two hundred yards on the ground to to Vanderbilt. Yeah. What are they going to do against Georgia, who has a much more high powered offense? Um, hey, the benefit of these uh, these late, basically uh, pseudo bye weeks for SC teams. If you can't afford to go to the uh, other games during the regular season, hey, tickets as low as $6 at Brian Denny Stadium for A&M against Austin P. <laughs> you want to root for the governors? Austin P, go uh, local team. 
uh, only about an hour or so north. I feel like Nashville has like six college football teams or six colleges. It's like Belmont, Vanderbilt, East Ten, Middle Tennessee. Like, hey, and the funny thing is, I think I've mentioned on this podcast, Middle Tennessee, like they're like they advertise themselves as Nashville's premier public university. They're freaking Murfreesboro. It's like an hour drive uh, from here. Um, but still, yeah, you, you talk about, uh, you know, we have Tennessee state here in Nashville, Vandy, and then yeah, Austin P is just, uh, just up the road up in Clarksville. I've driven through their campus numerous times, but, uh, yeah. Hey, if you're looking to get, looking to go to Mississippi state tickets as low as $3 looking to go to Missouri tickets as low as four. Um, and even an A&M tickets as low as $27 to see them, uh, maybe get their last, their first break, their losing streak. Um, probably their last win of, uh, of 2022. All right. We will move on from the sec talk and, uh, break down some more games here in week 12. I'll go through the TV schedule here quickly. We'll get Lucas's thoughts on some games here. Then we'll give you some picture. The noon slate, Illinois at Michigan, uh, on ABC TCU at Baylor on Fox. That game, by the way, Lucas Baylor at two and a half point underdog mm-hmm. strange line there, uh, from Vegas. Uh, Louisiana plays at Florida state on ESPN three, Wisconsin at Nebraska, noon Eastern on ESPN, Northwestern at Purdue, noon Eastern on, uh, FS one moving on to the three thirty slate. Um, we have, uh, let's see here, Ohio state at Maryland, Georgia at Kentucky on CBS, Miami at Clemson on ESPN, Penn state at Rutgers on the big 10 network, Texas at Kansas, three thirty Eastern on FS one. Um, Arizona State hosts Oregon State. That's a 2:15 Eastern game on ESPN2. Iowa at Minnesota, 4 o'clock Eastern on Fox. Moving on to the evening slate. Bedlam on ABC, 7.30 Eastern. Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. USC visits UCLA, 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox. Syracuse at Wake Forest, 8 o'clock Eastern on the uh, ACC Network. Tennessee at South Carolina, we talked about, 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Texas Tech at Iowa State, 7 o'clock Eastern on FS1. Uh, Pac-12 after dark slate, 9 o'clock Eastern, Colorado at Washington. Uh, Utah at Oregon. How about that? Very strange for the for the, uh, the Pac-12. 10.30 Eastern on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Utah at Oregon. Um, bit of a bummer there. That game couldn't have been at potentially in the afternoon on Fox or uh, a, a different time as that will be uh, a good one. Lucas, let's start in the noon slate. Um, what is uh, what well, what catches your eye in the noon slate? Illinois, Michigan, TCU, Baylor, I think, are the headliners. Wisconsin, your boys will visit Nebraska. Um, Duke at Pitt. Uh, what's catching your eye there? Yeah, so um, I just think it's hilarious. We finally have an 11 o'clock game on Fox. It doesn't feature Michigan or Ohio State. Um, but, uh, no, I think Illinois at Michigan – I'm interested to see how Illinois is going to play. I think this is a good litmus test to see where their program is. Um, they're actually 0-2 against Big Ten East teams this year. They lost Indiana um, way back in week one, and then they also lost to uh, Michigan State just a couple of weeks ago. And also, you know, this is probably the biggest test for, for Michigan in, in a few weeks since they, since they uh, knocked off Penn State. Um, see if they can move. This is still a really good Illinois defense. Uh, TCU at Baylor. Yeah, I was shocked as you were um, that TCU is only a two and a half, not even a field goal favorite, especially after being a seven point underdog on the road last week. 
uh, in Austin and able to do that. Look, McLean Stadium's like a usually has a pretty good crowd there. Uh, Baylor just got absolutely crushed last week by Kansas State, um, which kind of ended their hopes of maybe playing in a Big 12 championship game. But, you know, I think they're going to want to come back to prove something. Like I said, everyone's doubted TCU all year. I think they're just waiting for um, for the, you know, the Cinderella story to kind of end a little bit or the other shoe to drop. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see there. I mean, you can't miss the battle for the freaking Freedom Trophy between Wisconsin and Nebraska. Um, just a historic trophy that Nebraska still has. Winner gets Lance Leipold. Winner gets the higher Lance Leipold. That's so that's the Lance Leipold Bowl. Oh, man. Uh, and uh, no, then just kind of working, you know, your, your way down. Um, you know, I do love that we have a good chunk of, of one o'clock games. I always wish college football games were uh, staggered more. Yeah. Um, it drives me nuts when all the games are at halftime at the same yeah. time or a commercial um, and everything like that. A little bit intrigued. I don't know how Maryland's really gotten their, their butt whooped the last few weeks against Penn State and Wisconsin, and now they get Ohio State. Um Maryland was kind of becoming a good story. They started off, you know, six and two. Uh, now they're six and four, looking at six and five uh, then and there. But they've been in the past. They have given a, a few years ago, they almost knocked off Ohio State um, in College Park. So um, interested to kind of see that game. Maryland does have a good offense, even though it hasn't really particularly shown that the last. Of Michigan years. and Ohio State, who would you be more surprised? lost this week michigan hosts illinois ohio state at maryland i that's tough you know um, i mean because you you have the look ahead right i mean literally yeah. it's like you have to get by these games and then we have the big one in the horseshoe next uh next weekend my guess would be ohio state i i just i don't know if illinois is is, is has it right now chase brown left their game against purdue in the late in the game mm-hmm. with an injury they're very coy about his status Illinois has some injuries in the secondary mounting up. They're, just, they're not really playing good football right now. Um, Ohio State on the road. I would probably just say Ohio State because they're on the road, and I might feel a little bit better about Maryland's offense than Illinois. Yeah, no, I would kind of say that. And we've seen Ohio State sometimes play with their food with, with certain teams um, and have kind of slow starts and first halves. Um, and like we said, Maryland's a team that has gotten, you know, they lost 23 to 10 at Wisconsin. They lost 30 to nothing last week, uh, in happy Valley. Um, they could be wanting kind of a, a reboot and, um, you know, what a better team to, to try to do it with. I don't think either team really has a shot, but I, I tend to agree with you. If I was going to say, if there was going to be a bigger upset, probably would say Ohio state, especially just cause it, it is on the road. Um, and then you mentioned kind of a battle for Lance Leipold. Uh, big game for him on the road at Texas at 2.30. They we host Texas, about, actually. They, they yes, Texas. they host Texas. We were talking about big game for, for Steve Sarkeesian. This game defined their season last yeah. year for better for both teams, for better or for worse. And, you know, for Texas, do they come out after last week's loss, try to avenge uh, what was an embarrassing loss in Austin last year? And for Kansas – Look, they're already six and four. They're already bowl eligible. 
But this is another, this could be another feather in their cap this year to say that last season was not a fluke when they beat uh, Texas. Um, but that should be a, that should be a fun one over in. One of the games I'm looking at is uh, 3.30 Eastern on ESPN, Miami at Clemson. This was a game that we talked about in the ACC preview, like, oh, man, you know, late season could be a preview of the ACC championship game. It's not. Uh, things have going not things are not going great in Coral Gables. Uh, this is a quote from Mario Cristobal I saw on Twitter today from 24-7 Sports. At least that's who did the graphic. Mario Cristobal on players' parents taking shots at Miami coaches on social media. Quote, a parent is free and welcome to pick up their son if they're not happy with their playing time. Things are going swimmingly in Miami. Uh, That is another situation kind of like Jimbo that I will be monitoring. Transfers, staff changes. I mean, Josh Gaddis won the Broyles Award last year. Mm -hmm. Goes to Miami. They can't move the ball. Now, of course, they put up 35 on Georgia Tech last week when as a one-and-a-half-point dog, but we don't have to talk about that. Um, you know, what do they get out of – I mean, how – what does Miami have left, basically? Yeah. I mean, you, you've you got two games left. They got throttled by Florida State a couple of weeks ago at, at home. But then they, you know, rebound. And um, I don't know if Tyler Van Dyke's going to be playing for them anymore. My guess is he transfers after this season um, to greener pastures. But – that is interesting as well. Clemson, this is their final conference game. They'll play uh, South Carolina uh, next week before the ACC championship game. So that was one I'm interested in as well. Stanford and Cal. Um, boy, Stanford with David Shaw, man. I don't know what has happened. I mean, we, we talked about it in the preseason. They got decimated with COVID, this, the, the restrictions in Northern California, practicing and having kids come in and visit. But they lost 42 to 7 to Utah. They got throttled by Washington State the week before. I mean, this is a really bad football team. Uh, yeah. I took under four and a half win total. They're three and seven. And they get Cal and BYU these next two weeks. I mean, it is it's not been pretty for David Shaw. I, I don't think he gets fired. I don't think he's on the hot seat, but that is a situation I think people have speculated. Could he just step away and be like, hey, this is I'm gonna take a year off and 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 do something else with my time, uh, I, I think would be interesting. And then I would be remiss if we didn't talk, uh, touch on the two big Pac-12 games this week, mm-hmm. USC and UCLA, and then Oregon going to Utah. Um, you know, if you look at where the 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 uh, the, the, the Pac-12 is uh, right now, USC seven and one in conference, Oregon six and one in conference, and Utah six and one in conference. So you basically have a de facto. Uh, Pac-12 semifinal mm-hmm. going on in Salt Lake City between Oregon and Utah, and kind of a de facto semifinal with UCLA and and uh, and USC, right? I mean, if UCLA wins this game at the Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. um, they will have the same conference record as USC, uh, assuming they you know went out, they would have the tiebreaker. So, um, listen, USC they haven't really been tested; they don't have a top twenty-five win this year, but this is their chance, right? They're going to get. UCLA on the road, they're going to get Notre Dame at home and then potentially um, a trip to Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game uh, against probably Oregon or Utah. So a chance to get three wins, three ranked wins in a row and send a big statement to the committee. Uh, and for Utah, you mean just a quiet eight and two. They've uh, they lost to UCLA early in the season. They lost to Florida early in the season, but have just kind of trudged along and, and, and are, are, playing really good football. Like 
like Utah does. They get better throughout the course of the season. They don't mm-hmm. they don't quit. They play hard. They play fundamentally sound. Uh, so just your thoughts here before we get to our picks about the two big Pac-12 games. Yeah, well, one, I want to say uh, it, um, kudos, I guess, to UCLA. They um, will be selling out. The Rose Bowl is a sellout uh, this week for the first time all year. They're actually, I think I read, they're going to have their largest student section ever um for a football game there they're uh, projected to have they sold sixteen thousand student tickets um for this game so i'm happy just because they lost last week uh, a brutal loss to arizona hasn't quelled the enthusiasm for this game um and yet i mean this it should be fun i mean usc besides last week has kind of won games against skid of their teeth against teams like you know like cal and arizona um where they kind of let them kind of score and get back into those games. So I'm interested to see how their defense, which has been an issue all year, uh, goes up against uh, UCLA and, and kind of vice versa. Um, and then you mentioned with Oregon, Utah and Oregon, I think the biggest thing for me is, is Bo Nix going to play. Um, we saw him leave the end of that, uh, that game against uh, Washington last week. They've been pretty coy basically saying, you know, the stereotypical, well, he's preparing as if he's going to play. Um, which to me is if you haven't already said he's going to play, he there might be a good chance he might not be playing. So um, I'm interested in that, but it should be fun, especially that they're they're following each other. Should be able to, Utah-Oregon game, probably just be starting towards the end of USC-UCLA. Um, so I'm excited for, uh, for both those games. Like you said, they're basically de facto semifinals. And I guess if you're, you're George Kalaikoff in the Pac-12 offices, I guess you're a USC fan this week. Um, but, uh, no, it should be fun. It'll be a good highlight of how good that conference has been all year, even if it ends up uh, being where they don't have a, a playoff contender after this week. All right. That'll do it for our Week 12 preview. Let's do some picks now. Lucas and I had a, a nice week. Finally for us in week 11, five and one collectively for the syndicate, a three and a week for me. This was uh, only my second undefeated week this season. Uh, I had 20, I had Tennessee minus 20 and a half against Missouri. I had Purdue plus six and a half at Illinois for my upset and outright winner for the Boilermakers and North Carolina plus three and a half at wake was my lock outright winner for the Tar Heels. Lucas two and one, uh, he, his upset pick was TCU plus seven at Texas, outright winner. Lock of the week for him, the under 41 in Minnesota Northwestern, never a doubt. Northwestern only scores three points. His pick of the week was Alabama minus 10.5 at Ole Miss. The Crimson Tide win by six, having to come from behind late. So a two-in-one week for Lucas. I'll tell you what, Lucas, it's a, uh, it's a battle here for who's going to finish with the best record here. Uh, you are 20-16. and 16. I am 19-15-2. and two. Uh, we are 39, 31, and two overall as a podcast uh, through uh, 11 weeks, including week zero. So uh, each week we give a pick, an upset, and a lock. Um, I will go first, and let's start with our locks of the week. We just talked about one of these. I'm going to take USC minus two and a half at UCLA. Um, I think USC is good. I think they're really good. Um, I think UCLA, they're eight and two. I think nine and three or eight and four is right about where I think UCLA should be. But I think this USC team is finding its stride. 
They have an extra day to prepare. They beat Colorado on Friday, whereas UCLA coming off a loss to Arizona. I think they have some momentum. The Travis Dye injury is a little concerning. Travis Dye, their stud running back out for the year after an injury against Colorado. But I'm going to bank on Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, and the Trojans to beat UCLA in the battle for Los Angeles. USC minus two and a half, my lock of the week. USC minus two. Like it. I like it. My lock. Um, so going to the SEC, which we cover, um, it is a pseudo bye week for them. You taking UMass plus thirty three? Let's go. No, I'm not taking UMass. God no. If I ever start betting on UMass, you you need to send me the the gambling addiction uh, hotline if I'm starting to bet on UMass in game. <laughs> um, I am I am taking LSU minus fourteen and a half versus UAB. Um, now I know. LSU might be trading this as kind of a bye week, might be resting some guys um, to get ready for that last week game against AM, obviously for their big game against Georgia in three weeks. Um, but UAB has been a, a very mediocre um, uh, football team this year. They lost, obviously, Bill Clark stepped down before the season even started. Um, a very good head coach um, who kind of brought, literally brought that program back from the dead. Um, and they were expected to compete, but they've lost three out of their last four games. And I'm just, to me, like, I'm just surprised. LSU's the number six team in the country. I know they didn't look great last week, but they're playing a middle-of-the-road Conference USA team and are just getting a little bit over a touchdown. So give me LSU minus 14 and a half. I did see, though, shortly after I did bet this, it did go up. I think it was around 15 and a half. So it could be a line that moves as we get closer to Saturday. But, yeah, give me – I like uh, that. I mean, reports. I – I think if you're LSU, you have to think if we're a two-loss SEC champion, we have a good shot to win, to go to the playoff, right? So I don't think you can take this as a bye week. You have UAB and Texas A&M. Still got to play hard. All right, uh, Lucas, why don't you give us your upset of the week? An upset. So I'm going with the team uh, that has surprised a lot of people. You mentioned basketball schools um, having good years. I'm taking the Duke Blue Devils plus seven and a half versus Pitt this week. Um, Pitt was, as if you listen to our AC preview, they were my pick, uh, to win the coastal division. It's been an up and down season for, uh, Pat and RGZ. They have one, two in a row. They do have a good run game. Um, but I just don't know. I don't, I don't know if I could count them as a seven point favorite against anybody right now. Um, especially against a Duke team that has, um, obviously risen way above expectations of Mike Elko's first year. Um, I think this could be a pretty close game. So that's why I am taking uh, Duke plus seven and a half. I like that principle of just, if you get over a touchdown in the ACC coastal, like why not just lay with the dog? Like just take the points. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. I'm also taking a seven and a half point underdog uh, on the road. I'm taking Oklahoma state plus seven and a half at Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma state has looked dreadful the last couple of weeks. My over eight and a half lock is officially gone. They are, Mm. I think I think are six and four or seven and three at this point. Um, but I think they're better than Oklahoma and I'm getting seven and a half. I, uh, I think Oklahoma's just, it's just been rough first year for Brett Venables. That's another program that, I mean, it has not been good for several first year coaches. Venables is, we won't really talk a lot because Oklahoma doesn't have the drama. Some of the other schools publicly, but, um, I think Mike Gundy always has a little brother syndrome in games like this. And the fact that Oklahoma's leaving, um, mm-hmm. there's some animosity there of, of, you know, this is going to be the, what, second or third to last bedlam. So 
Give me Oklahoma State plus seven and a half um, at Oklahoma for my upset of the week. Would, uh, this, would this be the first time that uh, Gundy would beat Oklahoma two years in a row? It's got to be, right? It's got to be because he has yeah. been notoriously awful against Oklahoma. Yes. Like notoriously really, really bad mm-hmm. in these games. Uh, I think he wants to stick it to uh, Oklahoma, whoever the coach is at this point. Nice. My pick of the week, I talked, to, mentioned it a couple times. Um, I faded Illinois last week. I'm going to fade him again this week. Give me Michigan minus 17 and a half. I think at this point, I want to, I'm betting with teams I think will regress to the mean a little bit. And I mm-hmm. don't, I think Illinois is going to be a good eight and four team, um, but I don't think they have what it takes to beat Michigan. I don't like the fact that, um, Chase Brown might be injured, might not play, might be hampered. I think Michigan is the perfect team to force Illinois to be one-dimensional and force Tommy DeVito to beat them, and I don't think Illinois wants to do that. I think this will be like a 24-3, you know, 31-10 kind of a game. So give me Michigan minus 17.5 against Illinois at home. Nice. I, uh, I do like that. Um I do like that. Um, I am staying in the ACC for my pick of the week as well. And I am actually taking uh, a team that I was fading a couple of weeks ago, and that was uh, the Louisville Cardinal. Um, They did lose last week to Clemson. However, before that, they had won, I think it was like four in a row. Uh, And they're playing a team in NC State that I can't get a lock on. Um, Ever since Devin Leary went down, team it's been a struggle i thought they found a good quarterback believe in matt morris uh, but then they go and they lose uh to a, a boston college team that was literally playing for nothing last just a, week. a bad boston college team too. yes and uh the only the only solace i really have in nc state is maybe they're still fighting for a chance um to go nine and three and potentially win uh, a 10, 10 games for only the i think the second time in program history maybe that motivates them but this is on the road I think Louisville, um, you know, started to kind of find their mojo a little bit. Uh, Scott Satterfield looks like um, because they're bowl eligible, probably at least saves his job for one more year. Um, so I'm going to, and I trust Malik Cunningham more, way more than I trust whoever's playing quarterback for NC State. So I'm going to take Louisville minus three and a half at home against NC State. I like him. I like it. And uh, NC State, you're right, is a team that has just been really hard ever since Leary went down. Mm-hmm. Right, they were a, a big favorite against Virginia Tech on a Thursday. They win by I think one or two. Then they beat Wake Forest, and I believe yeah. they covered against Wake Forest. They won by nine, uh, and then they lay an egg against Boston College. So it's very, very hard to get a hold on them um, as well. All right, it's going to do it, Lucas. Two more. We have one more week in the regular season, and then conference championship week. It is, it is ending quickly here. I'm excited. It's supposed to be really cold in a lot of places in the Midwest mm-hmm. and the uh, the kind of the South, really. Um, so excited for some, some, some weather games, potentially. I don't know if you caught any of the Western Michigan game last night. That was amazing. Where you could not see any markings on the field. It was just white everywhere. It was, it was really awesome. So excited for that. Uh, any final words here before we log off? Uh, no, uh, not too many. I, like I said, last weekend in my thirties. So I'm going to, uh, going to enjoy it. Um, probably, uh, check out uh, a decent amount of these games, but we're getting closer, man. And so next week is already the start of the last week of the regular season for college football um, before we get into the postseason, season, um, which is just crazy to say, but 
like I said, fun slate of games, especially towards the the end of the day, um, going into the the late night uh, in the Pac-12. But um, no, I I'm excited. I can't wait for this uh, this week's slate. All right, that's going to do it for Lucas Rohde. I'm Ryan Baffa. Lucas, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Running for the Roses. Have a great night. Stay frosty, everyone. Enjoy the games. <laughs>